This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Week 5 has arrived. Jackson Heil, Devin Clemente, Chris Baccia, another episode of NFL Friday here on WFUV. Jimmy Sullivan will be joining us as our fantasy guy. I'm sure he'll have some takes as well to jump in on for sure, but we'll have him on the show. Brianna Leverty behind the glass. She'll have our Giants report. Charlie Mazzano will have our Jets report. But guys, first off, how are we today? Doing well. Excited to talk some football with you. Yeah, cool. as always. Same as same same here. <laughs> Jimmy? I'm always excited to be here, man. I mean, you know, we got some fun stuff to talk about, and also the Jets. So, hey, it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, the, the Jets are the exact opposite of fun, like you mentioned, and they'll be even less fun this week, as expected, with Sam Darnold being out. But we'll get to that a little later. want to start with what happened last night on Thursday Night Football. Uh, Seattle and L.A. in Seattle... Quite the ending, and Thursday Night Football has actually been surprisingly mm-hmm. entertaining yeah, this year. Yeah. It never has been. I thought we were off to a going to be off to a terrible slate when it was Jaguars Titans Week Two, and it was just an absolutely miserable game yeah. to watch. Even well, though Gardner Midshew kind of lit it up, but Chris, Chris what, what were you going to no, say? Well, the first week was was not good either. It was it was terrible. It was, oh my god! What Packers Bears? But it's been good the last two the yeah. last two weeks have been good. Yeah, the Eagles Packers game went down to the wire. Yeah. Late pick in the red zone from Aaron Rodgers, something you don't see, and then. Ever. This week, even more of a rarity, actually, with Greg Zerline, Greg the Leg as they call him, missing a 44-yarder essentially at the buzzer to win it for the Rams, and they've dropped a 3-2. and two. They've now lost two straight, and a lot of that has fallen on the shoulders, in my opinion, of Jared Goff, and I'll get to that in a second, but I want to address Seattle first, and I think people writ them off, or wrote them off, I should say, two years ago after kind of the Legion of Boom fell apart. Mm-hmm. But you look at what they do last year. They've kind of reinvented themselves in terms of an identity. Russell Wilson, I think, is probably the most underrated quarterback in the NFL with what he can do with his legs and be able to create plays and move the ball downfield. They're quietly 4-1 and one right now, and that division is really tough. Obviously, you have the Rams, who are also pretty good, and you have the 49ers, who are surprisingly still 3-0 coming off a bye. But I-, I am very impressed with what Pete Carroll has been able to do over the last two years because... You look at how much talent they lost over the last two years, especially in their secondary. The fact that they've been able to replenish and also be good over the last two years, really without missing a beat. I mean, they were in the playoffs last year, obviously lost to Dallas Mm -hmm. on the road, but looking like they're going to go back there this year. And yeah, they haven't played the toughest of schedules early on, but you got to give Pete Carroll and Seattle a lot of credit for how they've rebounded after losing so much talent. Yeah, and really since that that awesome uh, playoff game against the Saints a number of years ago, mm-hmm. where where Marshawn Lynch you know had that crazy run where he broke like nine oh, yeah. tackles, since that time. The Seahawks have done an incredible job of like retooling throughout, you know, all of the turnover that they've gone through. They had the Legion and Boom and they made it to the the Super Bowl and won back-to-back Super Bowls they got to. And then as that started to, you know, go away, the Seahawks need to figure out another way to compete and Last season, they still had an okay defense. They were able to rebuild it all right. Uh, you know, they had, um, I forgot who it was, uh, the guy that they just traded to the Chiefs. But they, they had some, they had some nice, nice uh, talent on defense. This season, 
I don't see it as much. I think that the defense is really? a little bit shaky, but the offense has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Chris Carson, you know, fumbles aside, has been tremendous running the ball. Rashad Penny was a, f- a first-round pick, and he's not yeah. even getting playing time because Carson's been so good. And you hit it on the head. Russell Wilson, as good as he is, as as tremendous as he is, just got you know just became I th- I think the highest-paid quarterback in the league this past mm-hmm. offseason. And he still is underrated. I mean, he's probably the best deep ball thrower in the league. You saw it yesterday when he yep. with that beautiful strike to DK Metcalf. And the amount he's able to do on offense, you know, uh, accounting for not a great offensive line and making plays that way. And then with his accuracy, I mean, he's really able to put that team on his back. How about Will Disley, too? He's guy? fantastic. Yeah. Where, where the he's hell fantastic. did he come from? But, you know, they, they uh, I think Russell Wilson... He, you guys have hit on it, but he's quietly an elite quarterback in this league. I mean, he he is an elite quarterback in the NFL. He's he's a guy I would want at my helm if 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 I was Pete Carroll and um, Seattle. They just have a good program. They got a great head coach, with the exception of one uh, one play call uh, at the two yard line that <laughs> cost him a Super Bowl. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll never. I think it continues to befuddle me to this day. But um, <laughs> they 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 are a good program. They're a great franchise and. Uh, I think they are a serious threat in the NFC. When you look at the really? NFC, I think it's them, it's New Orleans, it's Green Bay, and it's Dallas. Those are probably, you know, maybe even Philadelphia mm-hmm. in there. But I would say they they are more serious than the Rams. And they won last night, so it's not a crazy take. But obviously the Rams are the NFC champs. I, I think the Seahawks are, are very legitimate. And you mentioned Disley, too. Yeah. That's a guy I really was about to get <laughs> yeah. to. Talk about coming out of nowhere and being such a productive. I'm not going to say he's completely come out of nowhere, but he's the guy that they thought they were getting when they went out and got Jimmy Graham a few yep. years ago. He is exactly the guy. Right. And you mentioned overcoming, a, I'd say, a subpar offensive line. When they traded Russell Okung, that's really kind of when things started to unravel for the offensive line in Seattle and Russell Wilson was under so much duress. And people thought it was really the end of Seattle. But talk about Disley. I mean, he is a legit threat as a pass catcher. He's probably going to end up as one of the top five tight end in in terms of catching the ball this year. He's just such a difference maker for them offensively because he gives them a threat in so many different options. They obviously have Tyler Lockett who can catch the deep ball, but I mean, after losing Doug Baldwin last year, they needed someone to step up, yeah. and I I don't really think yeah. they were going to get it from the tight end position. But hey, there you go. And and you and you nailed it because that that trade when they traded Max Unger for Jimmy Graham, even when that happened at the time, I, I thought it was a really weird thing to do because just you know as just in general, I feel like you never really want to subtract yeah. from your offensive line. Mm-hmm. But Will Disley, I mean, he did come out of nowhere. The guy was. A defensive end for his first two years in college, and then just his junior year, he was switched to tight end. And not only is he a really, really talented pass catcher, but he's a great blocker as well. I mean, to have that kind of well-rounded athlete at the tight end position is—it's been a game changer for Seattle. And we even saw it a little bit last year. He was able to play two games and played well, and then was out for the year. Now he's come back and not missed a beat. They could really have a special player there. They just have so many options in terms of catching the ball and how to move it. And Carson's the one concern mm-hmm. for me because you look at what he can do as a runner. I mean, he ba- he just sheds off tacklers yeah. so frequently. But the fumbles have been a serious problem. But you look at what he did last night. I mean, the ball security was there. He was so effective in the run game, especially in the interior run game, just because he can break off so many tackles. I believe you look at last year, he was a guy who led the league in terms of yards after contact. And he was terrific last night. If they get that from him going forward and it's funny because he almost actually 
lost them the game by dropping that almost dropping that ball on yeah. fourth and goal. Yeah. I I was sitting I <laughs> I'm on two of my fantasy teams and I see that I'm like, "Oh my god, it's going to Carson." And then the ball just pops up in the air and you just like my heart just dropped mm-hmm. for a second. But anyways, he he's a guy that's a, just a huge difference maker for them going forward. But I want to shift gears to the other side of this because my big takeaway from last night in terms of the Los Angeles Rams is that Jared Goff stinks. Like, he actually stinks. I mean, you look at the numbers from his last 12 games. He's thrown 14 interceptions over that time frame, which is obviously terrible. Mm-hmm. Only 13 touchdowns, which isn't great. He is a clear product of the Sean McVay system for what, they, what they're able to do. And listen, I'm not going to say that they need to go out quarterback hunting because that's just obviously not going to be the case. Goff is clearly their guy and they're going to be committed to him going forward. They but extended him, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's not going to happen and even if it should happen, that's not going to be the case. But Jared Goff is probably the most overrated quarterback in the NFL and I think if you just look at what happened last night, listen, he, he was pretty good in spurts last night. I mean, Cooper Cup's obviously his favorite target and Cup bailed him out on numerous occasions and the interception he threw at the end of the game wasn't his fault. And he actually put them in a decent position to win. But I just watch him as a quarterback, and I I do not see a top 15 quarterback in the league. And I don't even think it's, frankly, all that close. Well, the thing is they're tied to him for a very long time because they they gave him the most guarantees of any player in history. He's Mm -hmm. guaranteed $110 million. Which was shocking to me at the time. It it was shocking to me, too, because I never thought he was an elite quarterback. Last season, he did have a fantastic year, though. Now, that was on the back of pretty much the perfect situation. They had maybe the best running back in the NFL at the time. Todd Gurley was on top of the world. They had the best line in the NFL, maybe. And then they had a wide receiver core with Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and uh, and Robert Woods, which is out of this world. So now that the line is struggling, they're getting older. Andrew Whitworth's getting older. Todd Gurley basically has no knees anymore. It, it, it's you're, We're starting to see him regress. And to me, when I look at Jared Goff, he is a very accurate quarterback when you give him time, which That's a true. lot of quarterbacks are. But I think Jared Goff is really, uh, just in terms of raw talent, he is a really accurate quarterback. But we saw it in the Super Bowl. When you put any type of pressure on him, he completely crumbles. And to be a great quarterback in the NFL, you have to be able to overcome that. And you see it every week, week in and week out, with a guy like Russell Wilson. Jared mm-hmm. Goff's kind of the opposite of that. Right. It's just the, the modern league requires mobility. I mean, I think uh, I think that is like baseline of the position is that you can scramble get out of the pocket yeah. it's, it's it's you have to be able to be beyond a pocket passer i've never watched jared goff once and said this guy's impressive or you know like I, i'm 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 blown away by I, never i've never felt that way i felt that way about carson wentz i mean when carson wentz first came into the league as a rookie i i said this guy i still feel that way i still feel that too. way i still feel that way but to me there's a a huge departure between Goff and Wentz in terms of talent. I think it's a huge discrepancy. Uh, Carson Wentz can escape the pocket, can do all the things that Goff can't do, and, and obviously those two will be measured up against each other for the rest of their careers, one and two in that same draft, and and uh, the Rams passed up on Wentz to take him. I don't think they're regretting that. I mean, they're NFC champs, but again, 
There's nothing elite about Jared Goff. And I think the other thing that you need to pay attention to is how defenses are now defending them. You know, last season we saw a lot of outside zone with Todd Gurley that was able to set up the passing game for Jared Goff. Like I said before, like it was the perfect situation for him. It really was. It was the perfect. Sean McVay tailored the offense, which is what a head coach should do, tailored the offense to maximize Jared Goff's strengths, and that's why we saw a good year that last year. Now defenses are basically saying, we know Todd Gurley's limitations. We know what you're trying to do. Let's let Jared Goff beat us. And it's resulting in a lot of passing yards and a lot of yards to Cooper Cup, but it's not resulting in wins because they've become a, almost a one-dimensional offense. It's still crazy to me that he threw the ball 68 times yeah. against the Bucs. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. That's wild. times. And, I mean, I think the Rams are in a really tough spot right now. I mean, first on Goff before I officially get to them, you look a year down the road, Goff might be the worst quarterback in that division. Like, honestly, behind uh, Russell Wilson, depending how Kyler Murray progressed. I'm not going to say that's going to be the case, but I yeah. can. Like, it's a very realistic possibility that he ends up as the worst quarterback in that division a year from now. Garoppolo's a huge question mark, too. That's true. So so there, there are question marks, but Goff's a huge one in himself yeah. at this point, and he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, arguably, right now. But shifting to the Rams... I think there's a real argument that this team misses the playoffs at this point. Yeah. Because you look at what their strengths are offensively, and they haven't really been able to meet that, especially with how bad the running game has been. And it hasn't been terrible, but with Gurley being pretty much ineffective because of his knee and the other issues on top of that with Jared Goff, the defense is pretty bad. It's it's pretty bad. I mean, you, anytime you give up 55 points to the Bucks. You're a pretty bad defense. They have probably the most overrated secondary in the NFL. I am as big a Marcus Peters hater as there is out there. I think he's the most overrated quarterback, overrated cornerback, excuse me, that I've seen in a long time just because of his rookie year, really. That's Mm -hmm. basically what everyone goes off of. But I think you look at the Rams in terms of the schedule they're going to have to play, obviously with Seattle being up top there. I think you can make an argument that this team, this team makes the playoff, misses the playoffs at the end of the year. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people coming into the season expected this division to be pretty competitive, but with for the Rams to run away with it. But when I look at it, I don't, I'm not blown away by any of the teams in this division. I, I really like Seattle. I Russell Wilson's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but. The defense, I think, is a question mark. And the Rams, they've regressed on both, pretty much in every phase as well. So I, I if I think that in order to make the playoffs in this division, they're probably going to need to win it, and I don't think that they will. Well, San Francisco is a huge factor in this because they have so far, they, they, they're 3-0, and so they've yeah. put themselves in this conversation, and they are on Monday Night Football this week against Cleveland, and we'll do our pick them later. So that, you know, that... We'll see if they're legit this mm-hmm. week. I think I think this will be a, a big prime time uh, challenge for them because I think Cleveland's pretty good. And uh, if if San Francisco's legit, and I, I think we all agree that Seattle's legit, that could push LA out. So you conceivably you might be right, Jackson. So LA's in trouble. I think we all agree on that. There's a lot to talk to in the NFL, but we're we're going to move on from our national section. The only thing I also want to mention is that Colt McCoy is starting for the Washington Redskins, the 0-4 Washington Redskins this week, which just tells you everything you need to know about where the Washington Redskins are at. Dwayne Haskins comes in last week. Not really his fault, but didn't play all that well. Had an interception and, and really couldn't do much offensively, but... They bench Haskins. Apparently, Jay Gruden doesn't didn't even want Haskins at the draft last year, which 
is something. If that comes out, I didn't even then, see that. <laughs> then one, one, someone's got to go. Someone's got to go in that scenario. And Jay Gruden looks disinterested in coaching this team right now. <laughs> so that, that's about where the Washington Redskins are at. So we'll get to the team that they played to played against in just a moment in the New York Giants. But first, let's talk to Jimmy Sullivan with our fantasy studs of the week. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. All right, Jackson, you want him, you got him. We'll start at quarterback. I'm a fan of Deshaun Watson this week against the Falcons defense that has allowed 20 or more points in each of its first four games. Atlanta also has just three takeaways on the season. All of those came against the Eagles in week two. Watson's had an up-and-down fantasy season, two outings of 25 or more points, two of 13 or fewer, including last week, but... I expect a bounce-back week from him and the Texans' offense. We'll move over to the running back position. I'm a fan of David Johnson of the Cardinals to have a big week against the soft Bengals defense. Johnson's rushing numbers, they're uninspiring. He's got 173 yards over four games and just over three and a half yards per attempt. However, he does have 21 catches on the season and has gone for more yards through the air than on the ground. So expect him to have the ball in his hands early and often on Sunday. Finally, at wide receiver, I'm looking at a possible bounce-back week for Julian Edelman of the New England Patriots. He's had a disappointing start for owners like myself looking for steady production in PPR leagues, but I love New England's matchup with a leaky Washington defense on Sunday. Edelman still leads all of Tom Brady's weapons with 32 targets on the season. The only question for Edelman is his health as he's played through a chest injury in last week's win over Buffalo. He's also been limited with chest and rib-related issues this week in practice. Well, thank you, Jimmy. And another one I want to add to that list, and I'm sure you'll be on board with this, DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. He, he's a guy who, after week one against New Orleans, he really hasn't done a whole lot. I mean, and give credit to opposing defenses against Houston because they've limited him, but that Atlanta secondary can be a disaster at times. And like you mentioned, they haven't forced many turnovers, but I'm, I'm in pretty much agreements on all fronts there, my man. Um, thank you. Something else to note that Brianna just hit me up with, I did not realize Haskins had three picks last week. He did, yeah. I, I didn't realize he threw that. He had that many turnovers. And listen, part of that's a scenario you're playing through the past game right. so much. But yikes. <laughs> not the best way you want to start your career, for sure. Certainly not. Certainly not. And like like you said, it was kind of the situation that he was put in. It was a totally unfair situation. I think that if you're going to play a rookie quarterback, put him in a position to succeed. But I don't even know how to succeed with that Redskins team the way it's constructed right now. They're on four. The Giants are two and two, and Daniel Jones seems to be the quarterback of the future. Didn't have a great week last week, a pair of turnovers for him, but again, moving forward, he's the guy, and at two and two, Giants have a chance to go over five hundred. Let's talk to Brianna Leverty who has the latest. No Saquon, no problem. The Giants had no issues routing the Redskins last Sunday, 24-3 without their star player. In fact, backup running back Wayne Gallman led the offense with two touchdowns in Barkley's absence, one rushing and one receiving. The biggest improvement from Week 1, however, has to go to the Giants' defense. The secondary recorded four interceptions, forcing a Washington QB change. Jabril Peppers' pick six was both the first of his career and for the Giants this season. And Daniel Jones proved that he's capable of consistently playing well, throwing for 225 yards and rushing for 33, which was key for Big Blue on third downs. So while DJ threw two interceptions and the offense lost two fumbles, 
The players have all shown that they're learning from their mistakes each week and making the necessary adjustments under Coach Pat Shermer, especially Daniel. He's smarter than all of us. I, I mean, I can't speak for you guys. I'll speak for me. He's smarter than, way smarter than me. He's a very, not only is he a quick learner, but he's a fast thinker. After the first two games of the season, Giants fans were not hopeful that their team would be at 2-2 two and two going into Week 5. But Jones has made that happen. The Vikings are the toughest opponent that the Giants have faced since the Cowboys. And they'll have to do so again without Saquon, as well as linebackers Ryan Connolly, Alec Ogletree, and Tay Davis. But the team is trending upwards, and I expect a close game. Plus, there's the added bonus of wide receiver Golden Tate, who will play for the first time this year now that his four-game suspension has ended. So this week, I have Big Blue just squeaking by the Vikings, 27-24. to 24. Covering the Giants, I'm Brianna Leverty, WFUV Sports. A lot of interesting stuff from Brianna there, and I actually kind of agree with the prediction here. I mean, you look at what the Vikings have been able to do. Obviously, the run game has been so proficient, but... That is really the only area of strength for the Giants' defense has been their run game. Obviously, losing Ogletree and Connolly hurts. But again, they're not going to be asked to do a whole lot in the pass game because Kirk Cousins stinks. He stinks even more than Jared Goff does. But on the Giants, let's focus at the quarterback position. What has your guys' impressions been of Daniel Jones in the first two weeks? I look at him. Week one, he was obviously great, and mm-hmm. a lot of that happens in a debut. I wasn't all that impressed with him last week. I thought there were a few throws that he's certainly going to want back. But his mobility is a difference maker for sure because what he can do on the ground is something the Giants haven't had really since pre-Eli Manning. But what's your guys' overall impression been of him so far? Sure. I Well, First of all, I've been extremely impressed by the intangibles. I mean, he carries himself extremely well. He did that throughout the offseason. When they called upon him, even in week one when he kind of came up in mop-up duty against the Cowboys, he played pretty well then Then as well. I, I just think that he you know, he shows the intangibles. He's got a little bit of mobility, unlike you know, which is something unlike Eli Manning you know, ever had in his career. Um, and he can deliver the ball pretty well, but... One thing that I've also noticed is that he's extremely aggressive, and it results in turnovers sometimes. He also has, you know, uh, he struggles to hold on to the ball in the backfield sometimes as well. But he is really aggressive, and I think that that's oh, that can only be a good thing for a guy who, who's a rookie moving forward. It looks like the Giants have found the successor. It, it, it really feels that way. I mean, it, it couldn't have been easier, right? And uh, it, it will be just a whole lot of more fruitful for them when Dwayne Haskins looks as bad as he does in Washington. And, I mean, there's no question that that situation is is not friendly uh, in terms of environment to a quarterback. But it looks like the Giants found their man. I mean, their defense is awful, so so I think they will uh, – mm. I, I don't think they'll, they'll, they'll muster really anything this year, six games maybe, but, but uh, the, you know – to me, to me, it's upsetting, but that that's besides the point. <laughs> well, let's get Jimmy in on this one. I, I know he wants to talk a little bit. Yeah, about let's Daniel hear. Jones. Yeah, I, I want to pump the brakes on Daniel Jones for sure. Yeah. I, I'm all for that. I'm all for yeah. The it was it was the Buccaneers and the Redskins. Yeah. If Matt Gay makes a 32 yard field goal, true. with the ball right in the middle good. between the hashes, we might not be having this conversation right now because the Giants lose that game. Granted, I mean, football you could play the hypothetical game for 50 mm-hmm. years on it, but. 
I think Jones has showed some good things against a couple of teams, and, and it was smart to get him in against this group of teams, right? You've got a Buccaneers defense, not very good. The Redskins are, if the Dolphins didn't exist, would be the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings even this year, yes, they have a good defense, but they're a team kind of in self-implosion right now. So it's not a bad group of teams to start your career against to get that good mojo going. I just think at this point with Daniel Jones, has he shown good flashes? Yes, of course he has. He also threw two picks last week, and I think we need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit on him and not get so ahead of ourselves and say, oh, this guy's the savior, the Giants have the franchise QB. After all, there's a reason Tom McShay and Mel Kuyper and others were saying this is a fifth, sixth-round talent, and the Giants took him at six. So let's just remember that, and let's just say, okay, not so fast, (laughs) my friends. You're right, (laughs) and I appreciate your logic, Jimmy. I really do. I just... I don't come from this from a logical perspective, I, I, and, and, and I normally don't. And you know what? Logic has never guided me correctly. So the the, the, the logic truth, has never guided you correctly. Not, that is a phrase not, and a half. Not, wow! Not in the in not in my sports fandom. I will tell you that as a Jet fan, I anticipate this guy being Hall of Fame level talented, <laughs> and uh, Sam Darnold. Will 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 you know go in the ash heap of of bad well, New York Jet quarterbacks? This is just how <laughs> I how I am trained to think. So this will be my anticipation until I'm pleasantly surprised, which never happens, by the way. All right, now that we've heard from Chris Doom and Gloom Baccia, <laughs> yeah. le- listen, I, I mean we've all we've all seen both of these quarterbacks, albeit you know um, uh, Daniel Jones in a small sample size, but. Jimmy, you're right. They, they, he did come in against bad defenses. I don't love the argument, and and I don't love the argument on the uh, the win argument on either side. I don't think that wins make Daniel Jones any better, and I don't think you know the hypothetical loss may it doesn't change the stat sheet for him. He had a good game against the Buccaneers, Fair. but. From a rookie quarterback, what I've seen from him, listen, rookie quarterbacks are always going to make mistakes, so the picks don't bother me so much, but what I've seen from him is he's not afraid. You know, when I look at Jared Goff, who has probably a lot more talent than Daniel Jones, and I see him in the Super Bowl basically cower away from the defense because he's so afraid of making a mistake, uh, I would much rather take Daniel Jones because, you know what, let it loose, give us a chance to win, and that's what he's done these past two weeks, albeit against, you know, scrub teams. Jimmy, I know you got to have a response. Yeah, no, I do. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, yes. Has he looked good? Of course. I mean, it's the same thing I've said before. And, Grant, you have to be impressed by a guy who was plugged in, and everybody said, this is a bust, this is a terrible yeah. pick, what is the front office I doing? Do too. The Giants don't understand the draft. Everyone was saying that. And, by the way, a lot of the same people now are saying, oh, this guy's amazing, yeah. Danny Dimes, we're going to the so, Super Bowl. Screw those people. Yeah, those <laughs> people are insane. Um, But you also do have to look at it from the from the perspective of who he played, and also I think – you know it, the the schemes he was going up against. You know the Bucks and Redskins. It's not the 1985 Bears. So you know is is he been impressive? Yeah, of course he yeah. has. But we have to let this season play out. And I'm not th- trying to throw cold water on Daniel Jones. I'm just saying if I was to grade him right now, I'd have to say incomplete because sure, it's yeah. two games. I want to see another 12 more. God willing, if he's healthy, I want to see him play out the rest of the season, play against some better teams, and then we'll have a much better verdict. But I think his first real test is coming this week against the Vikings, which you guys will talk about a little more. Yeah. But I, I think that'll be a fascinating test that if he passes that, then you have to start saying, okay, this guy's a good quarterback. Well, of course it's incomplete. I mean, you're going to grade him as incomplete. I, I, I think that's... I think that's a given. I mean, we're not we're not saying that it, anything is complete. We're here. not in the it's business just, of what, giving what, what's your <laughs> I mean, that, we're do, this Let's is be all, completely honest. To, it's true. I mean, I, it, the the pretense of this conversation is that it's speculative. Uh, we know that after two games. I think the the question is what what do you speculate? Do you, do they kill be good or, or are you just 
you're just not taking a position. I'm not I'm not there yet with him right now. I mean, coming right. out, I thought this guy's not going to be good in the NFL. Now, right. they've surrounded him pretty well. Saquon Barkley got hurt, but Wayne Gallman had over 100 yards from scrimmage last week. So they've had solid pieces around him. He's got a nice rapport with Sterling Shepard, as Brianna said. He gets Golden Tate back this week. So they've actually, I would say probably on accident, surrounded him pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. because they've given him some pieces, not maybe not thinking that he was going to play in Week 3. I mean, granted, I don't think the Giants have a plan here because they've said, at the same time, they've said, well, you know, we could be like the Green Bay model where he doesn't play for three years, and they also play him in Week 3. So I don't think they exactly have a plan with Daniel Jones, but they've kind of wandered into something that might be pretty good for them because some of the weapons seem to work very well with him, and then once they get Saquon Barkley back, that's another bonus. So I'm not committing to anything with him right now. I just think we need to see a lot more. I hate to be the the guy who, because who, I am personally a logic over fandom bias guy every day of the week, but I, I have to say I'm I'm leaning towards Chris's direction right now. Really, as, as a Jets fan, just because it has nothing to do with what I've seen on the field, but yeah, exactly. It, no, it's it has not. absolutely nothing to it's do with what I've seen. It's supernatural. You, it, it's just <laughs> metaphysical. The, the, the New York. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it is? It's the New York Giants. <laughs> You just have to imagine that, like, even after everyone says this guy was a, f- not everyone, but you have guys in Todd McShay and be great. Mel Kuyper who are calling this guy a fifth or sixth round talent, and yet he comes out, he's 2-0 and already, and the, the record doesn't really mean anything, but as a Jets fan, the only thing you can expect is for this guy to be great, <laughs> and, and, and and that's just how it is. Well, that, that it was going to take, the, the Giants was going to take him. Two minutes to find a successor to Eli Manning. The moment they started the search team, they got one. That's how it'll work. We've been looking for the Namath replacement now for how long? 65 years. So they're still searching. They're still looking for the guy. And of all people, of course. I think they found it. I think they found it. I hope they did. And of all people, of course. It's got mono, so. And of all people, it's It's Dave Gettleman who the entire Giants fan base seemed to like put him on Exile Island. No one wanted any part of him in this organization. And of all people, it's Daniel. It's freaking Dave Gettleman yeah. to find Daniel I, Jones. Who and yeah. and listen, I'm not even like trying to like put a tarnish on the record of Dave Gettleman because I actually think he's a pretty good evaluator in terms of it's talent. Seen, yeah, and he's done like a good it. job in this draft so far. That he's been reaping the benefits. But ah, man, it's just it's so freaking frustrating that after. Eli Manning's reign of terror over Jets fans, even though he didn't really do much against the Jets, but the fact that he's went out and won two Super Bowls and beat the Pats twice, something that the Jets have done once in like the last 25 years, it's just... Ah, oh, it's depressing. It's been two games. It's been two games. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, <laughs> I know. And again, it has nothing to do with anything that's and, happened on the field. It's just the expectation as a Jets fan. And and I I just wanted was more just sympathizing with Chris because I totally get where he's coming Thanks. from in this argument here. And I will say, there's been a few things that Jimmy mentioned that they put a good team around him. The Giants' offensive line, which was degraded for the, the last Gi- the line two is years, much the line is it's terrific. Much the line's yeah. been terrific this year. He obviously has an all-world running back in Saquon Barkley when he comes back. But Wayne Gallman was great last week despite a fumble. He's got pretty good pieces around him, and the weapons look surprisingly good. I mean, Evan Ingram has been probably the biggest surprise of the year for Giants fans. I mean, he's always been a great player in terms of the way he can catch the ball and run routes, but he's taken a step forward this year in terms of not dropping the ball 800 times a year. Sterling Shepard has responded really well. They get Golden Tate back this week. It's a really interesting time to be a Giants fan because you don't want to jump on the train too early, but 
they're in a spot where there's finally excitement around this organization for the first time in a few years because Daniel Jones will take shots downfield, something that Eli Manning didn't do over the last five years of his career. And this is an offense that can actually be exciting for the first time in a long time. I mean, I think that's that still remains to be seen. I think that this week is going to be a pretty good litmus I'm test. I'm not saying the, good. The, I'm saying exciting. The, sure, it could, it could be exciting for, for what could happen, but they played a couple of, you know, Subpar defenses. I know Tampa Bay has Shaq Barrett, who's been otherworldly this year, but aside from him, the defense is subpar. And the Giants' offense, yeah, it's pretty good. They have an all-world running back, the best running back in the league. And outside of him, I think the jury is still out pretty much on everybody on that offense. And on the defensive side, there's been a lot of struggles. I mean, the the first-round pick, DeAndre DeAndre Baker, has been really bad in his first few games uh, of his career. And that's one of their three first-round picks this season. I, I don't see a lot to like on that defense. And to go against the Vikings team, who, yeah, they haven't passed a lot this year, but they have probably the best wide receiver duo in the league, that could spell you know danger for them this, this weekend. You know, I think uh, something surprising to me, and the, the Odell Beckham Jr. trade, I think, was a, a far more egregious decision than the <laughs> Daniel Jones choice. I mean, like that that I think the Daniel Jones thing was certainly head-scratching and, and, and very questionable uh, that he passed up on Dwayne Haskins at that spot. And But listen, I'm not a scout, and I don't watch Ohio State football, so I really wasn't in a position to disagree with the evaluation. So, all right, you took Daniel Jones, you, you made a major reach, but you thought this was your guy, you thought this was the best quarterback in the draft class. Congratulations, you got your guy. Well, let's see, ride him. The Odell trade... Uh, was hard to just. It was tough to find the reason for that. But I mean, and and I, and I think that's really what got Edelman, Gettleman his ire. And then then the Daniel Jones thing was like kind of salt in the wound. But I think the Odell trade now doesn't look nearly as bad either. I I, I think that decision is aging well because I don't Odell Beckham Jr. I, you, you really have to question the off the field antics and and what that does in a locker room. And he really must mm-hmm. have felt that he was that toxic that he needed to be traded. And they picked up the defensive player with the pick. So you'll see. I mean, even the jury is out on that when that was a, a yeah. trade. When at the time trading Odell Beckham Jr., who was this larger than life guy in New York and uh, clearly one of the best receivers to play in this city in a long time, it was tough to see. Now I'm seeing it a little more. I don't know yeah. how you guys feel. About no, that. I actually agree with you. And I was somebody that when that trade happened, I was super critical of it. And, yeah. and even Everybody even was. still, even still, I, I I don't think that you can argue that they sold Odell Beckham for pennies on the dollar. And you're right. starting to see that toxic behavior even with the Browns too. But when you look at what they got back, they got back a member of the defense in Jabril, Jabril Peppers, who's played pretty well this season, scored a touchdown. And they got back an offensive lineman, which obviously is something that they needed. And when you're adding to your offensive line and adding to your defense, subtracting potentially a toxic personality, and I also believe that wide receivers aren't that important if you have a talented quarterback, you can you can, you can can argue for it. And we'll see how Golden Tate plays, too. Mm-hmm. And Dexter they, Lawrence has been great for, yeah, the, he has been for the Giants, you're by right. the way. And I believe that was the pick that was a part of the trade. Yeah, the 17. In there. Right? So that, that was the first-round pick that they got. And he's been ranked by PF. PFF is one of the top four rookies, I think, on the defensive side of the ball or something. I think you're right. Of that nature. Mm-hmm. So he, he's off to a good start. We, I could talk more about the Giants forever, but I can talk even more about the Jets, and we're going to get to that calamity in just a moment. But first, let's talk to Jimmy about some fantasy duds. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. 
Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. This may be a controversial take, but I'm going to slot in Aaron Rodgers as a dud this week against a solid Cowboys defense. Rodgers will be without his top target, Devontae Adams, when the Packers visit Dallas this week. Rodgers had a rough start in the first three weeks of the season as the Bears, Vikings, and Broncos all held him under 15 fantasy points. Even though he broke through last Thursday night against Philadelphia, he has a mostly poor sample size this year. And without Adams, I don't like Aaron Rodgers in this Week 5 matchup. At running back, I don't see Chargers running back Melvin Gordon getting back up to speed in his first game of the year against Denver. While he should get his share of touches alongside backfield mate Austin Eckler, who's been one of the best running backs in fantasy early on in the season, I don't see Gordon being in midseason form right off the bat after ending his holdout last week. While the Chargers, sh- while the Broncos rather, should be no match for Los Angeles, you may want to wait on starting Gordon until he plays a couple of games and gets his wind under him. Finally, I'm not a huge fan of Titans tight end Delaney Walker this week against the tough Bills pass defense. Walker caught just one pass for four yards in last week's win over Atlanta, and he's going through a knee injury this week. While the injury shouldn't limit him, the Bills' defense should because it has allowed the second-fewest points to tight ends this year. They also held Bengals tight end Tyler Eifert to just one catch a couple of weeks ago. So Aaron Rodgers, Melvin Gordon, and Delaney Walker are your three duds for this week, guys you want to stay away from. Definitely some controversial opinions in there, Jimmy. For sure. But I'm all for the controversy. I, I actually agree with the Aaron Rodgers take. Uh, offensively, haven't loved what Matt LaFleur has brought there. And Matt they've put up some tight performance. <laughs> LaFleur. He's French. <laughs> Thank you for that. All right, Mr. P- potato. <laughs> tomato. <laughs> Anyways, uh, no Sam Darnold for the Jets again this week. So the good news is that he won't be dying on the field this week. That That's just about the only takeaway I have. We'll, we'll see what Charlie Mazzano has to say as well. Break time is over for the Jets. All the vacations and time away from one Jets drive has concluded, and now the team has turned its attention to the task ahead, actually winning a game. The 0-4 mark for gangrene prior to the bye is something many people didn't expect, considering all the changes made over the offseason. Fast forward to today, the team is in favor to win a game until they face the lowly Dolphins in Week 9. Much of the blame for not being able to put W's on the board is because of star quarterback Sam Darnold's inability to play due to his recovery from mono. He has missed almost a month of action battling the illness, and his wait to get back on the field will continue to get longer. He was officially deemed out for the contest, despite his hope to play. I feel like I'm, I'm good enough to play. You know, my energy's great. Uh, I'm having fun out there. Uh, having a good time in the huddle, breaking the huddle, you know, just playing football. You know, it's, it's good to be back. From that standpoint, I, I feel like I'm good to go. Uh, but obviously there's some things that, that need to get cleared before that happens. Even without Darnold on Sunday, the Jets still have a game to prepare for against the 2-2 two and two Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz and company got a much-needed victory last Thursday night, shocking the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, 34-27. Even with their win, Philly has holes that they need to fix prior to the matchup over the weekend. They have the worst pass defense in the NFL. They have trailed by 10-plus points every game this season and continue to struggle in the first quarter. As for the Jets, well, they have problems in almost every aspect of their team. A victory would have been possible at the link if Darnold was active and if Adam Gase tried to expose the Eagles' flaws early on. However, I believe without the former USC quarterback, the offense with Luke Falk will balk once again, and the Birds will feast on the Jets' dilapidated defense and offensive line. Give me the Eagles 28-10, covering the... 
I'm Charlie Misano, WFUV Sports. What a disaster. And I mean, the fact that it's a positive to me, like, and just in my head that Darnold isn't playing, just tells you everything you need to know about the Jets and the mindset of Jets fans because the most Jets thing that could possibly happen would be for them to rush Darnold back on the field and something happens to his spleen that debilitates him for a good portion of his career. And I don't even mean to... I'm, like, completely serious when I say that. And I mm-hmm. don't mean, like, to no, be, yeah. like, completely, like, outlandish here. But that is exactly what a lot of Jets teams would probably have done. Mm-hmm. But I guess some credit to Adam Gase here, which I haven't really given any... haven't given any to him, and he doesn't deserve any for the most part, but for not feeling probably the pressure of job security in this decision to make the right healthy choice for his quarterback. Yeah, and I think Sam was smart enough to make the right choice too. I, I mean, I don't I really don't think he was going to play if he felt like I mean, the, the situation is such that if his spleen is, you know, not right and he gets hit hard enough, which playing in the NFL, especially against the defensive yep. line like the Eagles have, you could get hit really hard and if he like bleeds out, God forbid, or I mean, something really disastrous could happen to him. So you're right. I mean, it's best that he doesn't play and best that he doesn't come back until he's 100%. But man, is time running out to kind of salvage this? <laughs> it's not going to be salvaged. It, 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 it's unsalvageable. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, the, the the time has run out. The, the, there is not a conversation about Sam Darnold's health and, and, and possibly compromising it. it the Jets are 0-3. They're going to be owned four this week. They're going to be owned five after they play the Cowboys, and they're going to be owned six against the Patriots. Okay, maybe they win on October twenty seventh, but they'll probably lose. Look to at the their Jags. remaining ten <laughs> games. Maybe Look at their win. remaining ten games. It doesn't matter. It's. Over. I mean, it's it's really like maybe the weakest schedule I've ever seen in my whole life. In the last ten, the last ten, they could conceivably run the Bills table. Bills in the in week seventeen. So we're going backward. They'll probably beat us. Uh, Steelers. <laughs> the Bills. The, the Steelers. Probably better than us. The Ravens, definitely better than sure. us. Sure, the Ravens Dolphins, are the Dolphins, Bengals, Raiders, Redskins. You like Giants. That's Dolphins, a nice slate of games. Jags. And then Dolphins, Jags. But I, they're, no. you got you got to at least admit, they have an extremely winnable schedule moving forward. So when he comes back, maybe the Jets do, under Sam Darnold, post a winning record. I would love to see that. But this is a next-year conversation. You, you can't escape the own yeah, four. it probably hole. is. You, you can't escape the own four hole with the Cowboys and Pats, you know, waiting to 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 feast. It, it it's over. Well, it, when I look at this Jets team, I think th- I think that you can't be so jaded by what's happened the first three weeks because it's just been so unbelievable. You have to look at the team as you did before the season began. I think because over the past three weeks, who have they been missing? Their franchise quarterback. Their most important player on defense outside of Jamal and C.J. Mosley. They've been missing their number three overall pick in Quinn and Williams. They've been missing guys on the offensive line. I mean, it's uh, they've been missing the a new. They, a new was out for the year. They've been missing their starting tight end. I mean, come on, like that would be an insur- almost insurmountable uh, obstacle for pretty much any team in football. And I uh, agree, hundred percent. But coming back from 0 and 4 which they're going to yeah, be by the sure. way. Well let's not even I'm not even putting a chance on the Jets winning no. this game with Luke Falk. This I week. think that of the next 3 this is probably the most winnable. It is, but a lot of that comes down to how bad the Eagles secondary is and Adam Gase has shown not an ounce of willingness to try to throw the ball That's also field. true. And largely a, a large part of that is probably because of how bad Luke Falk is and listen, I don't even mean to like take credit off him but like he's a he's a 
third string quarterback. He's been what you expect out of a third You're string right. quarterback. You're He's 100% terrible. Right. But yeah. Yeah. It, coming back from an 0 4 deficit, having to face Dallas and New England in the next two weeks, I know you mentioned the injuries being insurmountable. That that's an insurmountable deficit, in my opinion. Could be. Yeah, and and you in all likelihood, you guys are right. I'm just saying that I think that. Well, if Darnold comes back, I think that the, this team does have talent when healthy. I think they do. I think they could beat, you know, if, if this team was healthy, I think they could beat the Eagles. I think they could beat the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are a little bit overrated. And this weekend, I think that the defense, listen, they're probably going to lose by 10-plus points, but I think that the defense could be good enough to keep them in this. That's, I, go ahead. I agree. No, I, I, they're, you're right. They're, uh, they have talent. That's why I was optimistic going into this year. But... You can't escape this. I, I one thing I want to bring up that I I I, I think is a ridiculous is the schedule. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna complain about the schedule. <laughs> I, I'm gonna do it. I, let, let's talk about the Patriots schedule first of all. Have you yeah, guys noticed? Oh my you guys gosh! That? It's uh, been the most cupcake. Has anybody I've noticed seen. that every big tough game the Patriots have to play is in Foxborough too? It, it's they're doing this right in front they, of our they, eyes. They actually, yeah. Steelers not a good team this year. Dolphins, Jets, <laughs> Bills, Redskins, Giants, Jets. The first good team they play might be October 27th, the Cleveland Browns, who aren't even that good. The Browns are not good. What the hell is this? <laughs> uh, that, so, so they're going to be 7-0. and 7-0. and it's, it's not a question. The Jets, Bills, they should have won that game. The they Browns, should've. Pats, Eagles, Cowboys, Pats. Has it? What happened to strength of schedule? I thought it was based on if uh, you were bad, you, finish, you get yeah. an easy. They they won the Super Bowl. You couldn't. <laughs> be, you're supposed to have the toughest schedule in the league. Yeah, but they just throw that rule out the window and hope everybody will forget, and they do. I, <laughs> well, a, 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 a lot. Cutting of, the mic. <laughs> shutting the mic. Turn your mic back on because I'm making a point that you're going to have to counter. Uh, I I agree. I think it is ridiculous how easy the past schedule has been, but a, a large part of it comes down to. The division you're in because you're playing yeah. you're playing a different division in the and NFC the divisions each year, you play, yeah. and you're playing it alters in the AFC who you play each year. But I mean, the Jets and Pats are largely playing the same schedule. It's the distribution of that schedule that's absolutely ridiculous. Yep, right. That's yep. what I mean. To me. How, how do you stack like every single difficult team on the Jets schedule? Why do you stack it in the first seven games? It's not fair. Yeah. And, and Devin, no, Devin right. was right. right. He said their last ten games are easy, and you're right. They they are. It's a, it's a it's a fair slate of games, but. Why? Why? It, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how easy the last ten games are. If you start zero and six, you can't. I don't think any teams ever went to the playoffs after starting zero and six in the history. Well, I mean, uh, you, there's always a first. We'll it's, just, it's, it's not right. It's not right. And it's the, wrong. And, and it's and morally it wrong. It's morally and ethically wrong. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, Chris. Uh, I'm right with you there. I, I I don't think there's anything else I can say, and there's nothing else that needs to be said about the Jets that hasn't already been said. Leave they, it at they're that. They're terrible. We're, we're going to leave it at that, and we're going to send wait, it over to Jimmy before I pick him. Wait segment. for wait. Sammy the Savior. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hope Sammy the Savior can come, but the, the person who's going to deny that is probably Adam Gates, he, who has no idea what he's doing on the football field. He's got to stop field. smooching girls. That's, that's what happens. It's a, it's a problem I wish we all had, to be honest. Jimmy Sullivan it's with some sleepers. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. We're going to start at quarterback. I like Cleveland signal caller Baker Mayfield to be a solid play against the 49ers on Monday night. Mayfield had his best fantasy day of the year last week in Baltimore, throwing 342 yards. 
going over 15 points against the Ravens. Mayfield's risk is that he's thrown a pick in each of Cleveland's four games, and the 49ers possess a solid defense. However, Mayfield's offensive line helped him out last week, and if he has a clean pocket once again, Baker could have another good week. Let's move over to wide receiver, and speaking of morally and ethically wrong, the Redskins have a ridiculous matchup against the Patriots this week, but Washington wideout Paul Richardson could be a sleeper. He's owned in about 20% of ESPN leagues. He could be a good option, though, as the Redskins take on the Patriots because Washington should be down late, allowing Richardson to get some garbage time points. The Redskins should fall behind early in this one, so they'll be putting the ball in the air quite a bit. Could allow Richardson to pop off if their quarterback situation is even remotely competent. Finally, at tight end, it feels unfair to call him a sleeper at this point, but I'm going to take Raiders tight end Darren Waller. Waller has been a top-five fantasy tight end in the first month of the season. He's also emerged as Derek Carr's favorite target. He also possesses a remarkably high floor. He's had at least 12 points in each of the first four games. Despite facing the Bears' defense this week, Waller is nearly a must-start for a Raiders team that is lacking big play options at both tight end and wide receiver. All right, Jimmy. I don't agree with the Richardson one because, like you said, I don't think the quarterback situation is even remotely competent with Colt McCoy in there. But, hey, that's why they're sleepers. He could (laughs) could pop off. You never know. Favorite time of the show. Pick'ems. Let's do it. This week's NFL picks. <laughs> what? That that intro gets me every what time. Is, I've never heard that intro. Well, guys, guess where we're starting here? The Jets and the Eagles. How fitting. And I don't even think we need to pick this one, but Philly are on the board. That's safe to say. I have Philly. I said it already. Yeah, yeah I'll, t- I'll take Philly. Uh, you were thinking for a moment about uh, taking the Jets. Uh, anything could happen. We'll see. Anyways, Philly around the board, and then y- you can't make this up. The second game on here. New England and Washington. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we know what we're taking there. All I'm going to say is the line on this game is New England minus 15, and that's not nearly enough. How many times have the Pats been double-digit favorites this year? Too many, and it's some, it just They've backs been two up touchdown Chris's favorites point. in yeah. so many games this year, but... Anyways, finally a pickable game. Jacksonville and Carolina. Gardner Minshew, the show continues. And another one, Kyle Allen, also the backup in Carolina. Who you guys got? Allen's looked very good this year, and the defense is spectacular. I'm going Panthers. I like this game a lot. I think it's going to be one of the better ones this week. I'm taking Jacksonville on the road. Gardner Minshew all the way. This offense for Carolina, night and day, when it went from Cam Newton to Kyle Allen, they're going to have a real decision to make when Cam Newton comes back because this offense has been a lot better with Kyle Allen. I like Carolina. Yeah, I like Carolina as well. 3-0 and it would be if they're able to take this one under Kyle Allen, and I agree it is going to be a big decision for that offense. Arizona-Cincinnati, two teams who have yet to win a game this year. I'll start with this one. Arizona, just because Cincinnati is one of the worst football teams I've seen in a long time, other than the Miami Dolphins this year. These are both horrific teams. I'm going to go Bengals. Uh, Chris, I'm up sorry. to you. Arizona, uh, Arizona, Cincinnati. You know what? I'm taking Arizona. I like. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I think Kyler's got something. I think Cincinnati's really bad. Cincinnati's bad. I don't think Arizona's as bad. I'm intrigued by Arizona. They've got some good weapons. I think they go in and get the win. Atlanta and Houston. Falcons might be the most frustrating team in the NFL. Houston right there with them, though, with the, their performances this year. I'm going to take the Texans, though, on this one. Yeah, I'm taking the Texans as well. I think that the Texans so far this season have underperformed. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And Deshaun Watson has all the potential in the world. I think they take this easy. Well, you know, you say frustrating. Houston is really frustrating. They find a way to surprise me every week. Give me Dan Quinn and Atlanta on the road. I'm going to keep it three out of four with Houston on this one. I like the Texans. 
Uh, it's a good matchup for Deshaun Watson. Atlanta's defense not very good. I think Houston has enough to go in and push Atlanta to 1-4. and four. Tampa Bay and New Orleans. This is a surprisingly interesting matchup yeah, because is, yeah. of what Jameis Winston's been able to do offensively over the past few weeks. Seven touchdowns in his last two games. I'm going to take Tampa Bay at home in this one. I'm not a huge Teddy Bridgewater guy with the way he's performing. I love his story. I don't love what he's done offensively. I'm going to go with famous Jameis. Yeah, so I'm really intrigued by this game too. The Bucks have been much better over the past two weeks, have beaten some good teams. But I think that the Saints are a tremendously talented team, and Teddy's been just good enough. I think they're going to take this. I think New Orleans will, will definitely survive this. Uh, they have a pretty good defense, actually. It's been the surprising part in New Orleans. I think they're going to beat Tampa Bay, and I don't really think it's going to be very close. I like Teddy football in this one. Bridgewater moves to 3-0, and keeping the Saints afloat. New Orleans moves to 4-1. and I think uh, Tampa Bay, everybody's sort of jumping on board after last week, but I like the Saints. Minnesota and the Giants. This will be an interesting one for sure because Minnesota's so reliant on the run game. We'll see if they actually try to move the ball downfield against the Giants. Poor secondary. I think the Giants have a chance with this one, but I think Dalvin Cook will be just a little too much. I, I think that the talent gap between these two teams is just too large. I think that the Vikings win by double digits. By double, I think it's going to be close, and I'm having trouble with this one. I like Minnesota on the road here, though. I like Minnesota, even though they're in self-implosion mode right now with Diggs asking for a trade, not asking for a trade. I'll take the Vikings. Let's speed this up. Chicago and Oakland, the talent gap too big. Even though Oakland's off to a surprising start, I'll mm-hmm. take the Bears. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bears the as well. Yeah, even and the backup quarterback, keep in mind, might be an upgrade. I mean, <laughs> the, I'm going to take the Bears. They have a fantastic defense. Agreed with you. I think Chase Daniel is an upgrade. Chicago over Oakland. I'll go road. Chicago as well. So moving on, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I'm going to go with the Ravens even after a tough performance last week. Don't trust Kyle Rudolph in that offense. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Ravens as well. I think that they're a pretty well-rounded team, and I don't think the Steelers are all that good. I think the Ravens. Were a, you know are a little bit worse than their record says, mm-hmm. but I like Pittsburgh at home. But you know I like them on the road. Give me Baltimore. This is my upset of the week. I'm going to take Pittsburgh and Mason Rudolph at home. Buffalo, Tennessee, impressive performance by the Bills defense last week, and I'm going to continue that going forward. Even though I like Tennessee, I'm going to go with the Bills. Really? Yeah. I, I again, this is another one that you know the teams are pretty good matched up, but I think the Titans are going to run away with this. Well, I think the status of Josh Allen is going to be critical here. That probably is the difference maker. Let's say he doesn't play. I think Tennessee wins. I like Tennessee as well. Possibility of a backup quarterback, and I think Tennessee's good. Denver and the Chargers. Vic Fangio has no clue what he's doing with the Broncos, and unfortunately he's got a terrible quarterback as well. I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers and company. Yeah, this is another easy one. I think the Chargers are going to walk away with this easy one. Although, guys, the Chargers have stunk this year for what they were supposed to be. It's true. It's true. But... Denver's that bad. Yeah. I'm going to take the Denver's Chargers. really bad. Really, really bad. I like the Chargers. Green Bay and Dallas winding out the 4 o'clock games. I like Dallas in this one. I haven't been too impressed with Green Bay. Even though this is a tough matchup at Lambeau, I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. Yeah, I like the Cowboys. I think that the offensive line is the most important unit on any team, but I I still I got to go with the better quarterback. I got to go Fair with enough. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I think this is the game of the week, and I'm really having a hard time with it. Give me Dallas. All right, we'll alternate on this one. I'm going to take Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers to go in with a win. Sunday night football, the Colts and the Chiefs. Really interesting matchup for a few reasons, especially had Andrew Luck still been in Indianapolis. This would have been a fun one with Luck and Mahomes. 
I think the Chiefs offensively are just going to be too much. And after a tough week in Detroit for Patrick Mahomes, didn't throw a touchdown for the first time and seems like his entire career, I'm going to go with Mahomes and the Chiefs to take this one. But I think Indy's no pushover. Yeah, Indy is certainly not a pushover. The roster is really well-talented. The roster construction for that team has been great. I'm going to go Indianapolis, though, in an upset. This is going to be my upset of the week. I think that they're a well-rounded team, and I'm excited for this game. I think Kansas City staves off an upset. I do think they're a much better team than Indianapolis, and they'll find a way at home primetime. Kansas City is my Super Bowl pick, and I'm not changing it now. They're going to move to 5-0. and They get the win. Monday night football, Cleveland and San Francisco. The 49ers undefeated so far, surprisingly. I think that ends on Monday night. Cleveland seemed to find a groove in Baltimore last week. I'm going to go with the Browns and Baker Mayfield. You're right. They did look like a different team last week, but I still don't think the Browns are that good. I think the AFC North is really terrible. I'm going to go with the 49ers. I think you can't deny the te- the, the talent on Cleveland, and right now they seem to be finding a way. I don't know that they're a playoff team, but uh, I think they uh, are going to carry some momentum into San Francisco and win this thing. I think San Francisco, I just can't see them being 4 now. I don't think they're that good. I think there's going to be a regression there, and I like the Browns on Monday night. Well, guys, that wraps it up. Another great episode. Pleasure talking with you all, and we'll see how the picks go. Devin, you were great in week one. You haven't been back on the pod since then, but listen, if anything shows from week one, you're probably the favorite this week. We'll so. see. Don't give me too much credit. We'll see. Anyways, <laughs> Devin Clemente, Chris Bocci, always a pleasure. Jimmy Sullivan, Fantasy, Brianna Leverty behind the glass. I'm Jackson Heil. Another episode of NFL Friday. We'll be back next week.